got your Bibles, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 40 this morning. Hallelujah. Sometimes we come to church around here and, uh, amen, we're all, we're all sailing pretty high. Amen. We're all <clears throat> kind of up there in the clouds. Praise God. And singing gets started and worship gets started. And hallelujah. There's some shouting going on. There's some dancing going on. There's some running the aisles going on. And, <clears throat> and sometimes, amen, it gets to the place or the extent that, amen, there's no need to do any preaching because God is ministering to people through their worship. They're worshiping God and God is touching them and ministering to them. And Hallelujah. And we're just having a heaven on earth, amen, experience around here. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, nothing wrong with that. Praise God. Nothing wrong with that, right? Praise God. We like high church, don't we? Amen. Do you like having high church sometimes? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I certainly do, and, and I know that you do too. Sometimes, amen, when we ha have high church, I get a break, and I don't have to preach. Hallelujah. But it was obvious to me from the onset of this service. Amen. From the onset of this service, praise God. This was not going to be, this was not going to be a high church service. Amen. It's going to be just a little bit laid back, a little bit uh, not so high. Amen. And if we can rejoice in our high church times and see the necessity of God in our high church times of God. Coming on the scene, touching us, refilling us, amen, reviving us, hallelujah, restoring us, whatever God does for us in those high church times. We see the necessity of that, and we rejoice in that, right? We also need to rejoice in the necessity of hearing God's Word. We also need to rejoice, amen, in times like this when it don't seem like we're going to pull the paint off the wall and, sh and swing from the chandeliers if we had some chandeliers around here to swing on, praise God. We've been accused of that. We've been accused of running the backs of our pews. You better not run the backs of these pews unless you know God's in it because these chairs are not fastened down. But praise God, we've, we've had back, amen, <laughs> we've had folks run the backs of pews, amen, in the past. Hallelujah. This may not be a, a pew running, aisle running, foot stomping kind of church service this morning. But you know what? I'm all right with that. Maybe God wants to talk to somebody. Maybe somebody's here that needs to hear something that maybe they never heard before. Or maybe there's somebody here that just needs to be reminded that, amen, the God that we serve, hallelujah, is good. He's good, but he's precise. He's good, but he is precise in his workings and in his dealings and in the building of his church. God's not building a shack. The church is not a shack ready to fall apart, amen, when the least bit of wind blows by. Praise God. The church is not a shack. Hallelujah. It's not termite eaten. Amen. Hallelujah. The church is a temple of the Lord. The church is the temple that has been built by the masters of all builders. The church is custom built. Hallelujah. The, the church is a custom-built temple of God. Hallelujah. But here's what we need to understand this morning. The church is a temple of the Lord. 
but it is built by his specifications. And I don't know why I'm saying all that right now, just starting off, but hey, hallelujah, maybe to get our mind in the right place. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture and let you be seated, but I'm going to keep right on reading just a little bit here. I want you to see, amen, the just of my message here today. Ezekiel 40 and verse 1. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day, notice, amen, uh, Ezekiel knew exactly when this vision started. Amen. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that, the city was smitten, in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. You can be seated this morning. Ezekiel didn't have no problem remembering this vision. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Uh, let's just read on down from our screen. In the visions of God, a man of God brought me, he, me, into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood at the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art Thou brought thither, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house around about, and in the man's hand a measuring reed of six cubits long, by the cubic and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, one reed, and the height, one reed. Then came he unto the gate which looked toward the east, and went up to the stairs thereof, and measured the threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad, and the other threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad. And every little chamber was one reed long and one reed broad. And between the little chambers were five cubits. And the threshold of the gate by the porch of the gate within was one reed. He measured also the porch of the gate within one reed. Amen. Then measured he the porch of the gate eight cubits, and the post thereof two cubits, and the porch of the gate was inward. Hallelujah. And the little chambers of the gate eastward that were three on this side and three on that side, they, they three were of one measure, and the post had one measure on this side and on that side. And he measured the breadth of the entry of the gate ten cubits, and the length of the gate thirteen cubits. And the space also between the little chambers was one cubit on this side and the space one cubit on that side. And the little chambers was six cubits on this side, six cubits on that side. He measured then the gate from the roof of one little chamber to the roof of another. The breadth was five and twenty cubits door against door. He made also posts of three score cubits even to the posts of the court round about the gate. Amen. And from the face of the gate to the entrance to the face of the porch of the inner gate was 50 cubits long. Hallelujah. And there were narrow windows to the little chambers and to their posts within the gate round about. And likewise to the arches and windows were round about inward and upon each post were palm trees. 
Then brought he me into the outward court, and lo, there were chambers, and a pavement made made from the for the court round about. Thirty chambers were upon were upon the pavement. Amen. And the pavement by the side of the gates were over against the length of the gate was the lower pavement. Amen. And then he measured the breadth from the forefront of the lower gate to the forefront of the inner court without and a hundred cubits eastward and northward. And the gate of the outward court that looked toward the north, he measured the length thereof and the breadth thereof. And the little chambers thereof were three on this side and three on that side. And the posts thereof and the arches thereof were after the measures of the first gate. The length thereof was 50 cubits and the breadth 5 and 20 cubits. I'm fixing to quit. And their windows and their arches and their palm trees were after this measure of the gate that looked toward the east. And they went up unto it by seven steps. And the arches thereof were before them. And the gate of the inner court was over against the gate toward the north and toward the east. And he measured he measured, somebody saying he measured. He measured from gate to gate a hundred cubits. And after that, he brought me toward the south. And behold, a gate toward the south. Somebody saying he measured. And he measured the posts thereof and the arches thereof according to these measures. And there were windows in it and the arches thereof round about like the, those windows. The length was 50 cubits and the breadth was 5 and 20 cubics. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, amen. Ezekiel is having this vision of the temple. Amen. Of a temple. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we can we can say, and this is not all of the verses to that chapter. I believe there's like 49 verses to chapter 40 there. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to take time to read them all. I just wanted to read 25 verses, something that I normally would not do and do not do on a normal basis. Amen. But I, want to, I wanted you to see all of these scriptures, amen, that referred to the measurements, amen, that the angel that looked like brass, amen, was measuring from. Hallelujah. Amen. We could say, hallelujah, that Ezekiel chapter 40, amen, is a chapter of precise measurements. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning from this title, Precision. Somebody say precision. Hallelujah. This is a chapter of precise measurements. Hallelujah. Nothing is left to guesswork. Nothing is left to chance. Hallelujah. Amen. Ezekiel is seeing the angel, and the angel, amen, is measuring, amen, exactly, amen, the distance, amen, of, the, of this temple, amen, the exact measurements, amen, that would be between one instrument or, and another instrument inside of the temple. Hallelujah. Amen. But actually, this is not the only chapter, amen, of precise measurements, amen, there are actually two more chapters that follow chapter 40, amen, where it shows the angel of the Lord, amen, measuring every aspect of the temple, amen, and its furnishings, praise God, amen, every measurement was exact, amen, every measurement was accurate, amen, every measurement, amen, was precise, precisely the way that God wanted this vision, amen, to be shown to Ezekiel. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 40, Ezekiel is seeing a vision concerning Israel. Amen. This vision of this, amen, temple is actually a vision concerning 
Israel. Praise God. In verse 3, amen, the Bible says that he sees an angel, amen, like the appearance of brass with a measuring reed in his hand. Praise God. And then verse 4, amen, and the son of man, or the man said unto me, son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee for to all that I shall show thee, my eyes are getting blurry here. I just, I need to, I'm sorry, I'm getting old. All right, now I can see. Amen. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold thine eyes and hear with thine ears. Set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. For to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought thither. This is the reason I brought you into this vision, Ezekiel. Amen. To show you something. Declare. All that thou seest unto the house of Israel, praise God. Son of man, amen, God intended, amen, to show Ezekiel his plan and his purpose for this temple, praise God. Hallelujah. His intent was such that he says, Ezekiel, I want you to see this vision with your eyes. Amen. I want you to hear this vision, amen, with your ears. And then I want you to take it to heart, amen, what I'm about to show to you, amen. And then I want you to declare it unto the house of Israel. Then he proceeds with all of these intricate measurements of his temple. And Ezekiel is so stirred by this that he writes down precisely what these measurements are, hallelujah. The walls, he measures the walls. He me- or the angel measures the walls. He measures the gates. He measures the porches. He me- measures the chambers. He measures the windows. He measures the doorposts. He measures the palm trees, hallelujah, that are all a part of this, uh, this intricate temple that God, amen, is focusing Ezekiel's attention on, hallelujah. Then he measures the distance between the arches and the tables and the flesh hooks and the courts of the house, hallelujah. And the measurements continue down through three chapters, hallelujah. Nothing but measurements for three chapters. Hallelujah. What can we determine, hallelujah, from these three chapters of nothing but measurements? Amen. Well, I know what I determined from it. Amen. The God that I serve is a God of exact measurements. Does he know what he's doing? Does he know what he's doing? Does this God of exact, precise measurements, does he know what he's doing? Hallelujah. I say that he does. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12, the Bible says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollows of his hand? Talking about God. God having the ability, amen, to measure the waters on this planet, amen, in the, in the hollow of his hand. Hallelujah. Now, if I take my hand and I cut my hand real tight, amen, I might could get a half an inch of water in the hollow of my hand. Hallelujah, but I'm telling you, we're serving a God that's so big, amen, that he can measure the waters, amen, of the oceans, amen, the waters of the rivers, the waters of the streams, amen, he can measure the waters of this entire planet in the hollow of his hand. And the fact that it says that makes me know that I serve a God of precision. 
The Bible says on top of that, who hath measured the waters in the hollows of his hand, amen, and meted out heaven with a span. All the experts tell me that a span is half a cubit, which is nine inches long. A span, nine inches long. I don't know, amen, if God's span is the same thing that a man's span is. Hallelujah. Amen. But if it was, God meted out the heavens, amen, by nine-inch increments. And when he got through make, making the heavens as big as he wanted to, he said, that's it. That's the limit of it. That's how big heaven's going to be. That's how wide heaven's going to be. That's how tall heaven is going to be. Amen. If he measured it by the span of a man. Hallelujah. How, how, how precise is that? Amen. And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. God can comprehend the dust of the earth with a measure. He knows how much dust is down here. Hallelujah. He knows how much dust it took to make me. He knows how much dust it took to make Brother Barfield. From dust we came and to dust we shall return, right? Brother J.T. Payne used to say, we're nothing, we're nothing but a, a bunch of mud balls. Hallelujah. Amen. I heard him say it over and over again. Hallelujah. We're nothing, amen, but a bunch of mud balls. Amen. But thank God, God put his spirit in these mud balls. Hallelujah. But God knows. Amen. God can comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure. And he weighed the mountains on his scales. And he weighed the hills in his balance. Hallelujah. I believe we serve God, amen, a, a precise God this morning. I believe we can trust a God, amen, that can weigh and measure the mountains and the hills, amen, and can measure the dust of the ground, hallelujah, with a measure. God knows all about measurement. God knows how, amen, to make something exactly, amen, according to his idea and his plan. Hallelujah. If you and I build something today, amen, we have a tendency to fudge a little bit. Amen. If you're a carpenter, amen, and, uh, or whatever you might do, praise God, you may... Amen. You may fudge a quarter of an inch. You may fudge a sixteenth of an inch. You may fudge a half an inch here or there. Amen. Or somewhere on the project that you're working on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Amen. We don't serve a God that fudges any at all. Hallelujah. If God says it's going to be so big and so wide and so high, that's exactly what it is. He don't fudge on his measurements. God is not building temporal things. God is not in the business of building temporal things. Amen. God is in the business of building eternal things. But, amen, sometimes, amen, for us to understand it, amen, he needs to bring to us, amen, a, a measurement of eternal things, amen, by showing us the precise measurements, amen, that he put into temporal things. God knows that we can only comprehend so much. Amen. So by the precision he requires men to build things that represent him in the Bible. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Whenever God required a man to build something, amen, that would represent him and his eternal being, amen, hallelujah, he made that man or he, 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 he challenged that man to build it by, amen, precise measurements, hallelujah, amen, from the measurements of the ark that Noah built, hallelujah. Noah didn't just go out and build a boat, no, Noah built an ark. And God required Noah to build it so long, so wide, so high. Hallelujah. To take care of the need of Noah's day. Hallelujah. But God gave him the measurements. And Noah had to precisely build that ark. Amen. According to God's measurements. Praise God. Amen. From the To the measurements of, amen, of the tabernacle that Moses received of God. That tabernacle had to be so wide, so long, so high. The gates or the or the walls, hallelujah. The badger skin, praise God, it all had to be done. Amen. The altar had to be so big, praise God. The brazen altar, the amen, the altar of incense, hallelujah. Everything, everything had a measurement, praise God. And Moses, amen, demanded the Levitical priest to build that tabernacle according to God's precise measurements. And then when we come to Solomon's temple, God had given David, amen, precise measurements of Solomon's temple, praise God, hallelujah, so the command was to see to it, amen, that you build according to, that's what God told them, amen, I'm giving you these measurements and you see to it that you build according to these measures, hallelujah, amen, temporal things in the word of God reveal to us eternal things in God. Hallelujah. So in the few occasions that God had men to build something, hallelujah, that would represent him in the future and represent eternity of the future, God made them, amen, follow precise measurements. Today, we struggle with this temple in Ezekiel. Read it. Read it for yourself. Read all the comments. Read what everybody's saying. Today, amen, all the, a lot of the Bible historians and a lot of the people that are in the know, amen, concerning uh, things like this, they all are struggling with, amen, this vision of Ezekiel's temple that he had here. Praise God. Hallelujah. One of the reasons they struggle with it is because the temple was never built. God had God gave Ezekiel this great vision of this temple, amen, and then the temple was never built. Praise God. Now, after Ezekiel has this vision, Zerubbabel does come along and builds the temple, amen, but he didn't build the temple, amen, that he built, amen, after the vision that Ezekiel had. Praise God. He didn't use the specifications, amen, that God gave to Ezekiel. So even though there was a temple built after Ezekiel's vision, amen, it did not follow the design. It it did not follow the specifications, amen, that God gave to Ezekiel here. Praise God. Amen. There are some, amen, that feel like the, the vision of the temple that uh, Ezekiel had here, amen, is going to be a temple that's going to be built in the thousand-year reign of Christ. They're trying to figure this out. God, you gave Ezekiel an Old Testament character vision of a temple specifications, exact, precise measurements. That temple was never built, praise God. So hopefully, amen, they're thinking we can get to see this temple built in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Hallelujah. There are some that feel like Ezekiel's temple, amen, was simply, or was simply a representation, amen, of the New Testament kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And that the temple will be completed, amen, when the last person receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. Just before the Lord comes and takes his church out of here. That's another speculation. All of this is speculation. God, amen, why did you give Ezekiel a vision of a temple and it never be built? Praise God. Are we to see it in the future? Or, amen, does this, amen, precise temple, amen, that you showed Ezekiel, does it represent the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. Amen. I want for us to, to this morning, amen, to at least consider that last idea. Praise God. Can we at least consider the idea, amen, that that temple represents the kingdom of God? In Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, Thou son of man, show the house to the house. How in the name of God is Ezekiel going to show the house of Israel the house in the vision if the house is never built? Thou son of man, show the house to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. Show them the house. Amen. Let them be interested in the measures of the house. Let them see clearly the measurements of the house. Hallelujah. The design. Amen. Of the house. The precision. Amen. That went into this house. Praise God. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house. The fashion of the house. Amen. And the goings out thereof and the comings in thereof and all the forms thereof and all the ordinances thereof and all the forms thereof and all the laws thereof and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. This is the law of the house upon the top of the mountain Amen. The whole limit thereof uh, around about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. <laughs> Amen. So here's the Spirit of God saying to Ezekiel, Show the house of Israel the house. Show them the measurements. Show them the form. Show them, show them everything. Every little intricate detail about Amen. This vision that I just showed you, Ezekiel. Hallelujah. Show them the house. Show the house to the house of Israel. Praise God. Amen. But here's my question. How could Ezekiel show them the house if the house was never built? Let them measure the pattern. Show them the measure of the pattern of the house. Show them the form of the house, the fashion of the house. And then it gets to a key verse of Scripture here. Write it in their sight. Write it in their sight. Well, how is Israel going to see the house, the form of the house, the pattern of the house? Hallelujah. The Israel is going to see the form of this house and the temple, the vision that Ezekiel saw the same way you and I are going to see the house. We're going to see it because it is written down for us to see it. Hallelujah. Now, hang on. Hang on. Write it in their sight. The house, the temple, was to be seen in written form only. Amen. And very possibly never to be literally built at all. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is telling Ezekiel here, write it down. 
Write it down. Why? So that they can see the intricate details of this vision. Hallelujah. Amen. Let them know this is the law of the house. Oh, my. Y'all quiet on me. The pattern and the form of the temple in Ezekiel's vision was for one reason. There's only one reason. Amen, that God showed Ezekiel this vision. Hallelujah. And that was that Israel may be ashamed of their iniquities. Amen. And if they be ashamed, according to verse 11, if they repent, amen, then you can show them the rest of the house. Hallelujah. If they repent, if they, amen, are ashamed, amen, of their ways, if they are ashamed of their sin, hallelujah, if they will repent, Ezekiel, amen, then you have the privilege of showing them the rest of the house. Amen. The house that Ezekiel built with his pen. Amen. Where he wrote it down for us to see it today. The house was built to deal with sin. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, it was. Hallelujah. The house was built, amen, to show Israel their sin. Amen. So if I have an option to vote on today, hallelujah, amen, why this temple was never built in Old Testament times, why, amen, uh, you know, that it possibly could be built in the millennial reign or sometime in the future, hallelujah. Out of the, all of the options that I've read about, I vote for the fourth option. Amen. And I vote, amen, that this vision has everything to do, amen, with the New Testament kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do you say that, Brother Morrell? Because, amen, it was the Jews that were given, amen, the first opportunity to know Jesus Christ, amen, as their Messiah. The Bible says, amen, that when Jesus came, he came to his own. He came to the Jews. He came to his own. And the Bible says they received him not. Hallelujah. Now we know that Israel as a nation rejected him. Amen. As being their Messiah. They still reject him to the day. Amen. They still consider Jesus maybe a prophet, a good man. Amen. But not their Messiah that they still look for to come in the future. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we know that Israel is a nation that rejected God. Jesus as their Messiah. But, amen, we can also thank God, amen, for the Jews that saw him for who he was. Compared to a nation, it was very few in number. Amen. But I'm grateful and I'm thankful, amen, for the Jews that saw Jesus for who he was. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And when they saw him for who he was, they were ashamed, amen, of their sins and their iniquities. Hallelujah. Amen. So when they became uh, 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 repentant, amen, when they became, uh, when they got under conviction and they began to pray, and, amen, ask God to forgive them of their iniquities and their sins. Then God opened up the rest of the house and said, Amen. Now you can go in and see the rest of the house. Praise God. It was the Jews that were first to repent. It were the Jews that were the first to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
It was the Jews, amen, who were first, amen, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, it was 12 Jewish apostles that Jesus told, chose, amen, to build his new kingdom on. Hallelujah. Amen. Those 12 apostles became the foundation, amen, on which this new temple, amen, this new body, this new church was going to be built on. Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 19 says, But he saith unto them, Amen. But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. So, amen. The apostle Peter, one of the twelve apostles, was given the keys to the kingdom. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah, I had a brother, amen, back in the old church down there on 212, and I call it an old church, it ain't an old church today, amen, but it, you know, it's the church we moved out of, I had a brother, amen, come, and he gave me a, a, a key ring, praise God, and on that key ring, amen, there, there's three keys, he said, brother, I want you to, amen, to have this key ring, Praise God, because all of these keys represents, amen, the New Testament plan of salvation. There's, amen, there's more than one key that goes into the plan of salvation. There's more than two keys that go into the plan of salvation. There's more, amen, than three keys that go into the, the plan of salvation. Hallelujah. He said to Peter, Peter, to thee, to thee, I give thee the keys, plural, amen, I give thee the keys to the kingdom of God. He was an apostle. He was a Jew. Amen. He was one of those that actually saw Jesus for who he was. Amen. Actually saw him, amen, as being his Messiah. Peter at some point repented. Hallelujah. Peter at some point let Jesus baptize him in water in his own name. Peter was there on the day of Pentecost seeking, amen, for that baptism of the Holy Ghost, which he was filled with, amen. In Acts chapter 2, he was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Then God, amen, looked at him and said, Peter, you got the opportunity, amen, to bind on earth what I'm going to bind in heaven and loose on earth whatever I'm going to loose in heaven. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings, somebody say the building. Here's a building being built. Here's a temple being built. Here's a body being constructed. A New Testament temple. A New Testament church. Amen. Hallelujah. That The Bible says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God 
Amen. Through the Spirit. Why did God? Why is God building a church today? Why did God build a New Testament temple, a New Testament body, a New Testament church? Hallelujah. So that He would have a habitation. Amen. A place. Amen. To where His Spirit could come and dwell in us. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the whole purpose of you and I. That's the whole purpose of this church body. Amen. Whether we're just a small part of it. Amen. And we are. Hallelujah. There's a big body of Christ today. Amen. But why is God building a temple today? So that his spirit can have a place to dwell. The God of precise measurements in the Old Testament is the same God of precise measurements in the New Testament. Amen. And he says of his New Testament church, it is going to be fitly framed together. The foundation of this house, hallelujah, the foundation of this church that we are in, amen, this morning, hallelujah, is, amen, the foundation of the apostles, hallelujah, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. This church is built upon the apostles' doctrine. Upon the foundation of those apostles, hallelujah, Jesus handpicked, amen, to carry on his work after he ascended, amen, back to the glory world, hallelujah, amen. We are built upon that foundation. The message from the Old Testament vision of Ezekiel, that message of that vision of that temple that Ezekiel saw in the Old Testament is still screaming out to us today. Hallelujah. Amen. If we want to be a part of this new temple. Amen. If we want to be a part. Amen. Of hallelujah. This temple that is designed by God. Amen. Measured by God with precise measurements. Hallelujah. Amen. Again God is not building a shack today. Hallelujah. God is building a structure today. Hallelujah. And that structure is called the New Testament church. Amen. And if you're here with the Holy Ghost we're a part of it. Hallelujah. If we want to be a part of this new temple the Lord is building, amen, we've got to get our message right. We've got to measure out our messages right. Hallelujah. We're too late in the game for nonsense. Amen. We're too late along this journey, amen, to have somebody preaching lies and deceptions to us. Hallelujah. We need truth today. Hallelujah. We need the word of God today. Amen. We need somebody to get up and declare the truth of God's word to us. Amen. Hallelujah. We got to get our message right. Hallelujah. Amen. We got to get our message right. Praise God. To be precise, precisely in line with what Jesus taught. Hallelujah. So, Many years ago when God called me to preach, I don't know why he called me, but he did, and I ain't going to argue with him about it, but when I hear other, hear other men preach, I question God, God, why would you mess with me? God, why would you mess with me? I don't know why he did it, but he did. Maybe God's got a sense of humor. But I want my message to be precisely in line with the Word of God. Every minister here, young or old, amen, hallelujah, when you are constructing, 
Amen. When you're studying and you're praying and you're formulating thoughts, hallelujah, and you're getting, amen, things, amen, that would create wonderful, amen, tremendous messages, amen, hallelujah, to the church. We got to make sure, hallelujah, amen, we got to write it all down. Then we got to go back and check it again. And then we got to go back and look at it and re-examine it again, hallelujah, because, amen, whenever we preach the word of God, amen, we want it to be precise. Hallelujah. We'll shout and dance next Sunday, maybe, or maybe Wednesday night. I don't know. But I want us to measure things out of the Word of God exactly the way Jesus wants it measured. Why don't we preach the Apostles' Doctrine today? Amen. Because I'm not allowed to add to the Word of God, neither am I allowed to take away from the Word of God. Amen. That's why I preach the Apostles' Doctrine today because I don't have the privilege, amen, to add to nor take away, amen, from what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. I can't fudge on this thing. I can't change the measurements of this thing. And neither can you. Hallelujah. And shame on any preacher that would try to fudge, try to change it, amen, try to make it different than what God intended it to be. Amen. That's why we preach the apostles' doctrine. Amen. Because they are the foundation of the church. <laughs> oh, God. These men are those men, and those messages that the apostles preached in the Word of God were precisely what Jesus taught them. We always hear people say when it comes to baptism in Jesus' name, well, I, I would rather do what Jesus said than to do what Peter said. Well, if Peter didn't do exactly what Jesus said, we might as well cut the whole entire New Testament out. Starting with the book of Acts, amen, and amen, starting from Acts to Revelation, amen, we might as well cut, cut it all out, hallelujah, because it wasn't just the apostle Peter that preached the plan of salvation the way he preached it, all of the rest of the apostles preached it the same way, amen, and the church was challenged, amen, through the future, amen, to stay with that doctrine, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, the very idea, amen, that we have the right to fudge a little or change a little or not measure that plan of salvation, amen, to the same measure that the apostles measured it out or meted it out is simply ludicrous on our part. Amen, it's crazy to get thoughts like that, hallelujah. Amen. To Peter, the, uh, the apostle, Jesus said, I will give to thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Why do we preach repentance and sin? Repentance from sins. Because the man with the keys preached repentance. The man with the keys to the kingdom preached repentance. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why we still preach repentance. You can't, amen, you can't just believe in Jesus and be saved. Amen. You got to repent of your sin. You got to repent. 
That's why we still preach it today. Hallelujah. Why do we preach baptism in the name of Jesus? Because that's exactly what, amen, the apostle preached. Why do we preach it after you repent, after you get baptized in water in Jesus' name? Amen. You are gloriously then entitled, amen, to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why we still preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost today. That's what the man with the keys precisely said on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And let's read it. Amen. Out of your Bible, let's read it. And Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You can't get your sins remitted any other way because that's precisely what the Bible said. Peter measured it out exactly how Jesus taught him in those 40 days that Jesus spent with those apostles between his death, burial, and resurrection and his ascension to the throne. Amen. Peter was following the instructions. Amen. On the day that Jesus baptized him himself. Amen. He heard the words that Jesus spoke over him. He heard the name that Jesus spoke over him. Amen. So he was just simply, amen, measuring out the plan of salvation. Amen. Exactly the way Jesus told him to. Amen. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's ludicrous for churches today to want to change all this. Amen. Hallelujah. I certainly don't have the right, nor the preacher has the right to change it. Amen. Noah couldn't change the measurements of the ark. Moses couldn't change the measurements of the tabernacle. Solomon couldn't change the measurements of the temple. Amen. And Ezekiel couldn't change. Amen. The measurements of this mysterious temple that he had a vision of and wrote about. He couldn't change the measurements. He couldn't go back and argue with God and say, God, why didn't you make that chamber a little bit wider, a little bit longer, a little bit taller? Ezekiel didn't have that privilege to go argue with God. God, I wish that had been, hey, I wish it had been, amen, built exactly that way. <laughs> amen. Ezekiel was smart enough not to argue with God. He was, amen, simply recording it, writing it down, amen, for the sake of future Israel. Praise God. Which, amen, now you and I are sons of God. Amen. We are a part of spiritual Israel today. We are sons of God. We are seed of Abraham. Everything they were entitled to, amen, as a nation we are entitled to, amen, because we've been born again of the water and the spirit. We've taken on that name, amen, in water baptism, hallelujah, hallelujah. So everything, all of the benefits that they had, amen, now belong to us and those Jews that still believe him to be their Messiah. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you today, amen, if it's going to take repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, get a Gentile to heaven, it's going to take the same thing to get a Jew to heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, but Brother Morrell, they're the seed of Abraham. Yeah, God looked at the natural seed of Abraham one day and said, hey, don't, don't, don't say unto me that I'm the seed of Abraham. Because God can from these rocks out here, from these stones out here, God can raise up, amen, children from Abraham, hallelujah, amen, from these stones and from these rocks out here, hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is still raising up children for Abraham or, amen, of Abraham today, praise God. So Ezekiel couldn't change the measurements of this mysterious temple. Here's what I want to say, amen. Moses got it right and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Solomon got it right, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 4 and 5, I want to read this to you. And I, 
Amen again today. Ezekiel 43, 4 and 5. If I gave you that, if I didn't, I'll. Ezekiel 43, 4 and 5 says. Amen. And the glory of the Lord came into the house. What house? This mysterious house. This house that wasn't built in the Old Testament. This temple that wasn't built in the Old Testament. This temple that we've never laid eyes on. This temple that we may never lay eyes on as being constructed in the manner that it is described here. I wonder if God was really referring to a spiritual temple. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, 4 and 5 says this. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle that Moses built by God's specifications. The glory of the Lord filled Solomon's temple that he built by God's specifications. The glory of the Lord, amen, even in the vision that Ezekiel, amen, had filled, amen, the temple that was built by God's specifications. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me say something here this morning. When you and I get it right, when we get it right, amen, guess what? Amen. The glory of the Lord is going to fill this house. Hallelujah. And more important than the glory of the Lord filling this house, amen, the glory of the Lord will fill your house, your temple, your body with the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I got to hurry up quick. Come on, Brother Clint, so I'll hush. Amen. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and 12, God is still reaching, amen, for these stubborn Jews that have been rejecting him as their Messiah. Remember what he told Ezekiel? Write it down, amen, so that you can show the house of Israel my house. It came in written form. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. Be it known unto you and all the people of Israel. See, he's still reaching for Israel. He's still trying to get Israel's attention here. Hallelujah. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. The man had been prayed for and healed. In Jesus' name. We sung a song earlier. The choir did. I believe it was. Maybe it was the praise team. Holiness has a name. And it's Jesus. Victory has a name. And it's Jesus. The Word has a name. And it's Jesus. Redemption has a name. And it's Jesus. We could add to that list. Healing has a name. And it's Jesus. Salvation has a name. And it's Jesus. Hallelujah. Baptism has a name. And it's Jesus. Holy Ghost has a name. And it's Jesus. We could add to that list on and on and on and on and on. But here's God still reaching to those stubborn Jews that were still rejecting him as their Messiah. He said to them, this is the stone which was set at naught by you builders. You did not want to be a part of my building you did not want to be a part of what I am doing here in this new covenant New Testament dispensation of time you don't want to be a part of it so you have set me at naught 
which has become the head of the corner. That that you laid aside and set aside and said, we're not going to use that. We're not going to make that a part of our building. He said, that very thing that you set aside has become the corner. The cornerstone that the church, the New Testament church is built on. Then he said in verse 12, saying to these Jews, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Somebody say must. Neither. You're talking about precision. You're talking about measuring it out. Amen. To a certain length and a certain degree. This verse of scripture measures it out. It meets it out precisely. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You can't be saved in the name of Buddha. You can't be saved calling on the name of Mohammed. You can't be saved calling on the name Donald Trump, hallelujah, or Nancy Pelosi or anybody else, hey, amen, who you can look at as being a Savior today, hallelujah. None of their names will work in this salvation plan. I read somewhere, I heard a preacher preaching one time that, amen, that the Mormons baptized, actually baptized in the name of Joseph Smith. I did a little research on that and hadn't been able to find that and verify that. So I don't know if they ever did baptize in the name of Joseph Smith. But if they did, let's say that they did. Let's speculate that at some point, amen, the Mormons baptized in the name of Joseph Smith. Let me tell you what, amen, if they were baptized, if anybody was ever baptized in the name of Joseph Smith, all they did was went down into the water as a sinner, and they come up out of that water a wet sinner. Because nothing changed. Hallelujah. Because there's no salvation in any other name other than the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is still reaching for these stubborn Jews, trying to get them to see the power that's in that name of Jesus. Amen. He said, you've rejected him, but if you're going to have salvation, he makes it plain. Neither is there salvation in any other. Are you getting tired of hearing me preach this morning? I know what time it is. I'm sure you're getting tired, a little bored now. You've heard this stuff before. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you get tired of hearing me preach it, you just go somewhere else. Because I'm going to preach it anyway. I'm going to preach it every opportunity I get. I'm going to preach it whenever I feel in my heart. Amen. There may be somebody that could, amen, that could benefit, amen, from hearing the precision, amen, that went into God's plan of salvation. Hallelujah. So if you want to be saved today, if you want to go to heaven someday, amen, if you want to be a part of this glorious kingdom of God, God is going to require of you the same thing He required of me. He required for me to repent. He required for me to get baptized in water in Jesus' name. And then God kept His word to me. He gloriously filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you reject that plan of salvation, amen, you're rejecting God. And you're saying, God, I hear what the man of God saying. And I know what he's saying is true. I can read it with my own eyes. I can read it in the Word of God. 
had a gentleman visiting us not long ago, and he heard me preach, and evidently I mentioned, amen, repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost. He came after church and spoke to me. He said, brother, he said, Mr. Morell, Brother Morell, whatever, he said, this church is a breath of fresh air compared to some of the other churches I've visited around here. And I thought, man, you know, praise God, a breath of fresh air. Hallelujah, but he called me to the side. He said, but there's one thing I disagree with you on. <laughs> he said, I feel like we need to baptize people the way that Jesus taught his disciples to baptize them. About that time, about the time he got it out of his mouth, somebody came up, walked up, started talking to him, and, you know, and he saw that, he, you know, that, uh, so he got on out the door. But if I'd had the opportunity, I would have said, praise God. You need to go back and read your Bible again and find me one place in the New Testament where anybody was ever baptized calling on the name Father and Son and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because you won't find it in your Bible. Nobody in the Bible, nobody in the New Testament was ever baptized calling on the name Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Read it for yourself. Amen. Go from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 4 to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Go to all of these places. Amen. Where the plan of salvation was preached. And they were all baptized in the name of the Lord, which we know to be Jesus. So if you're getting tired of hearing me preach then and you just go somewhere else, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start preaching on this every chance I get. Somebody said recently that progressive liberals have one intention in mind, and that is to change the Constitution of the United States. The progressive liberals say our Constitution is old. It's outdated. It needs to be revised. It needs to be changed to fit our modern day. That's what they say. But I say this. It'll be a sad day when you and I sit by idly and let them do what they intend to do to our Constitution. It'll be a sad day when, amen, when, when, when respectable, God-fearing, God-loving people sit by and let the progressive liberals change our Constitution. Amen. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know all of the details that went into forming this nation. Hallelujah. Amen. But I do know, amen, that some of those men, at least back there, amen, feared God and they feared their governments. Hallelujah. That could rise up against them someday. I still fear the government. As sad as that would be, them changing our Constitution, totally changing our country. There is something sadder than that. Amen. When the church sits idly by and lets the religious world change the word of God, change the plan of salvation. Amen. We're not without fighting back with the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the saddest thing we can do. Sit in silence. Amen. And let the world preach their false doctrines. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to say, no, amen, that ain't the way it is. We got to measure it out. We got to preach it, amen, just like the apostles preached it. Amen. The Bible says truth will make you free. Not only will truth make you free, truth will keep you free. God's measurements are not just right. God's measurements are divine. 
You hear me? God's measurements are not just right. God's measurements are divine. When he set up this well, when he set up this universe and measured it by span. If he measured it by man's span, by nine inch increments. <laughs> How long did it take? Well, he's a God that's eternal. He's always he's always been. It might have took him in our years, it might have took him ten million years to measure out this universe. But it didn't take him that long. But if he's that particular in measuring this universe and getting it just exactly to the size that he wants it. Hallelujah. Our message today has got to be measured precisely by the Word of God. We need to stick to it. We need to stick by it. Hallelujah. Because the Word of God is precisely right. Today, we live in a world full of body language experts. <laughs> we got self-proclaimed body language experts everywhere. The president gives a speech. There's body experts. Body language experts watching him. Amen. His expressions, his movements. There's body experts watching. Amen. People that are, uh, are, are on trial for murder and on trial for rape and on trial for incest and all these other wicked crimes that they can commit. They're body language experts in the courtroom. Amen. Reading their body language. Hallelujah. Well, if it is true. That men can be trained, amen, to read body language. I want, amen, those body language experts to look at us. Amen, because they should be able to look at, amen, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen, and see our expression and see our determination. Amen, that says loud and clear. Hallelujah. Amen, we don't want any false prophets. Amen, we don't want any false teachers. Amen, telling us lies. Man, if you're going to preach to me, preach to me the truth. And they ought to be able to see that in our body language. It's truth or nothing. It's truth or nothing. Hallelujah. God is not building a shack. Amen. That is threatening to fall by the least little storm that comes along. He's building a temple. Amen. And this temple is being built by the master of builders. And it's custom built to his specifications. I'm glad to be a part of it. I said I'm glad to be a part of it. Today I stand five foot nine, weigh 192 pounds, or somewhere around there. Hallelujah! I know I need I, my doctor's back there. I need to lose 10 pounds. I know. I don't know if that has anything to do with the measurements. <laughs> Hallelujah! Of this temple. But for some reason, God made me as big and as tall and as, because he's got a purpose for me. I want you to close your eyes. I, you may be six foot four and weigh 80 pounds. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, but you may be six foot four and weigh, maybe, you may be four foot eight and weigh 350 pounds. Hallelujah. But God, amen, God designed us to, Amen. And he, 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 he brought us into his temple for a reason, for a purpose. Hallelujah. And in these last days, amen, I, I want us all to think about being precise. 
in what we believe, in what we preach, and what we declare. Amen to our loved ones. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stop fudging. Let's stop moving. We just got deliverance from a bank that we had to deal with for about four or five years. Amen. I got on the phone with the banker and I said, Miss Banker, I called her by name, Miss Banker, why do you keep moving the goalpost on us? She kept moving the goalposts. Hallelujah. Every time we called, amen, she told us something different. So I made up my mind, we're going to get out of that bank. We're going to, amen, we're going to get away from that bank. And thanks be unto God, we have been able, amen, to get away from that bank because they kept moving their message. I don't want this church to ever change this message. Lift your hand to heaven right now. Let's pray together. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. If there is someone sitting in our midst that has never repented, that has never been baptized in water in Jesus' name, that has never been filled with the glorious power of the Holy Ghost, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to their hearts now. God, that you will speak to that heart now. Hallelujah. Make them see. Make them understand. Make them realize, God, that that plan of salvation is so precise that if we will simply follow what you said, simply follow what is written in the Word of God, Lord, we can surely make heaven our home someday. We can surely get to spend eternity with you in heaven. When our life down here is over, God, I thank you, God, for this New Testament message. I thank you, God, for this New Testament church, God, that you've allowed us to be a part of, God. If there's anybody here this morning that is not a part of the church, God, I want them. I want them to become a part of this church. I, I pray that they will hear what they need to hear today and become a part of this church. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Neither is there salvation in any other, nor the way to receive salvation, nor the way to have salvation outside of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, church family, lift your hand. Let's call on that name right now, God. In the name of Jesus right now. It's written in your word. It is there for every eye to see and every, every heart to receive. Oh, we can read it for ourselves. We can see it for ourselves. We can study it for ourselves. Hallelujah. If you've heard something you never heard before, hallelujah, why don't you go home and research it for yourself? Dig in. Dig deep. Hallelujah. Look. Amen. For the precision that God put into his plan of salvation. And when you find it, when you discover those measurements that God put it out, to the New Testament church. Why don't you just simply say, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do what your word requires for me to do. Come on, God, touch us today. Come on, God, help us today. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help that one that may be lost and undone among us today. Save it, God. Deal with the heart. Send the spirit of conviction your way, God. Keep them awake at night, God. Hallelujah. Deal with them in the middle of the day, God. In their thoughts, God. Let your spirit invade their thoughts. Thank you, 
Ghost, let your spirit invade their dreams. Let your spirit invade their night. Hallelujah. Let them think about you. Let them think about what they've heard here this morning, God. Let them consider the truth and obey the truth, God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Today is the day of salvation. Why put it off for another day? Hallelujah. If you know what you got to do now, why not do it? Why don't you repent? Why don't you get baptized? Hallelujah. Why don't you let God gloriously fill you with the Holy Ghost today? Hallelujah. Oh, why put off till tomorrow what you can have done today? Hallelujah. This is the day that God has chosen. This is the day that God has elected for you to hear truth. Hallelujah. Chosen to hear truth today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we pray, oh, God. Hallelujah. God, revive this word in the midst of the years. Revive this message, God, in the midst of the years. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for paying attention. God is a God of precision. He wants it done precisely right. And until we know how to precisely do things right, hallelujah. Amen. We just simply are not going to know how to live our lives. But when we hear it, when we hear it, when we receive it, Amen. Then it's up to us to abide by what we hear. Shake hands with somebody. Tell them how glad you were to see them here this morning. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Praise God.